in the beautiful West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul, Minnesota, you're listening to the Capital City Podcast. It's been a, it's been a hard week preparing for this. We were going to start the Job series. And then when something like this happens, it's sometimes tempting just to stick your head in the sand and keep on with the plan. Uh, but when history is being made before your eyes, uh, you know, whole eras are remembered by just a few events. Um, you know, certain, you know, if you think about like uh, the lives of the presidents and things, you normally remember those eras by just one or two big events. And we're living through one right now. So I wanted to speak on it. And I want to ask that you would extend some grace to me because, um, let's see how to say this. Um, I think that there's a study that came out recently that, that people see their churches as a consumer product. Now, Americans are consumers in their mentality through and through. And so maybe in the past, people would be willing to let their church form and inform them or their pastor, both uplift them and also challenge them, but still love that person, love that church. Whereas now people are more likely as consumers to say, well, do I agree fully or, or do I have any disagreements with this? And sort of send this like purchase. They sort of opt out of a product and then opt into a different product, like a different church that happens to agree with them. But I would encourage you, um, I don't, I don't get on this wavelength too often, but I would encourage you to, to set your, your mental frame in an openness that maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit and scripture has something to challenge us, challenge us in and encourage us in as, a church and as an evangelical church. Um, so with that, let me pray for help and guidance and then we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together and worship you uh, in spirit and the truth that we can read your scripture and that we can talk about hard things together uh, and challenge each other. We pray that your scripture would be truthfully, rightfully preached and taught this morning and that we would have a better way to think about uh, our our land, our society through this. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. This will be a very uh, here and now sermon. Normally, you guys know I really dig into the history. I spend most of my time in the Bible. We do that. Uh, but because of what's happened this last week, this will be a very, um, very practical, pragmatic sermon for here and now. So if you happen to be watching this, if someone shares this with you, or if you happen to tune in and just see this, um, I encourage you to peek around at some other sermons as well to get a better, better breadth. All right, so we're going to be reading from Matthew 22, 36 through 40 today. You can listen along or you can follow along. Um, teacher, someone asks Jesus here, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So I want to start this sermon uh, with a story about a pizza joint. Um, it's not as lighthearted as it sounds, even though it sounds like I'm really trying to lighten the mood. Um, so when, if you might remember four or five years ago, it's a big stink in the news, when, uh, when Hillary Clinton's emails were hacked, uh, one of the many emails that was found was a correspondence between one of her main coordinators and the owner of a pizza place called Comet Ping Pong. If you were here in church, I'd say, anyone remember what this is? But I can't really see the screen. So uh, I, w- I wonder if you'll remember this. They, call, they ended up calling this Pizzagate, until you, in, in, unless, in, in case you've heard of this. So uh, this, this the, again, Hillary Clinton's one of her main sort of associates or assistants and an owner of this Comet Ping Pong Pizza Place were corresponding. And very quickly, 
the fairly new and dark underbelly of the internet that would come to be known later as QAnon, some Reddit subchannels, 4chan, just some of the darkest places on the internet, began feverishly inventing a sinister connection between high democratic elites and this pizza place, of all things. Uh, the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. Uh, so the truth actually is that uh, Hillary was just going to host a fundraiser there. And that was it. It's a popular pizza joint in D.C., and it was just a good place for a fundraiser. But online, this dark conspiracy formed. Words like cheese pizza and pepperoni and pasta all took on code meetings that could be swapped one for one with much darker things that I probably shouldn't say in a sermon. The conspiracy was that Hillary Clinton and other global and liberal elites were running a child trafficking ring. And I'm skipping a word in there uh, just for the young ones listening, but a child trafficking ring out of the basement. And under the restaurant, the idea was that there, uh, the, the conspiracy was that there were dozens of young girls and boys trafficked secretly into the U.S. or stolen from their families in the U.S., that they were chained up, traded, and trafficked out of there. Uh, it even so far, it even went so far as to say that Hillary and Bill were cannibals and were even eating these children that were stored in this basement. The problem was that there was not even a shred of truth to any of it, not even a nuance, not even a hint of anything fishy going on. In fact, there was not even a basement or anything under Comet Ping Pong. It's just the earth. There is no basement in that facility. Um, there's hardly any bathroom or closet space. There's just really nothing there. It was written more to shock than as a reflection of fact. But when all you have is the fiction, when all you have is the sensational and the conspiracy, and then you get siloed into that content, not knowing what good true journalism is from conspiracy and echo chamber, when you get siloed into that, and if it's all you hear and read, you can get sucked into it and think it's true. And this happened to a man named Edgar Madison Welch. Bad guys always have three names, right? Uh, Edgar Madison Welch. Um, he happened upon this conspiracy theory and then descended into this sick rabbit hole of some of the darkest corners of the internet, you know, subreddits that have been canceled, 4chan that's been, you know, booted so many times. And he read about these trafficking schemes. He saw doctored photos and inserted photos, because this kind of thing does actually happen in the world. And there are pictures of this happening, say, in Thailand that got kind of spliced into this conspiracy channel. So he was seeing real pictures from other places about this happening in Comet Ping Pong, where, of course, it wasn't happening. And he drove to Comet Ping Pong with an AR-15, a shotgun, a pistol, and a knife. And he barged in, terrifying everybody. Luckily, he knew not to, or he, he, was, he was of sound enough mind not to hurt any of the regular customers. But he went to the infamous door that so many of these chat rooms and, and dark places on the internet had, had, had talked about in the back. He went to the infamous door that was supposed to lead down to this basement where these trafficked children were being chained and stored. And he shot through the lock. And he was ready to go down and liberate them and be a hero. It's somewhat noble. If, it was, if what was happening were actually, if, if what he had read about was actually true, he's, he's trying to help. Uh, he was going to free them. So he shoots off the lock and opened the door. But it was just a small closet with some junk and a computer server in it. And then he tore through the rest of the place, shooting off locks, looking for hidden entrances. But of course, there were none because there's no space. There is no basement. There is nothing there. And he began to realize his mistake. Police had surrounded the perimeter. And after about 30 or 40 minutes, he dropped his we weapons and then walked out without his guns and was arrested. And he's still serving time for it to this day. And on Wednesday this week, 
the same thing happened. Conspiracy theories without a shred of truth brought about violent action. But this time, it wasn't some kook on Reddit and a pizza joint and a gun. It was thousands in an angry mob. The conspiracy wasn't hidden in dark corners of the web, but trumpeted by some of the most powerful people in the country, including the most powerful person in the world. And now five are dead. 50 or 60 police officers are, or at least were, in the hospital. One of them was beat to death with a fire extinguisher by this mob. So much for Blue Lives Matter, right? The last time the Capitol was breached by hostile forces was in the year 1814, when it was the British Army. The British Army is what it took last time to breach the Capitol. Never once during the Civil War did the Confederate flag fly in the White House, but it did on Wednesday because of lies and conspiracy. And the conspiracy was that the election was stolen, which no legitimate and intellectually credible organization says has any shred of evidence at all. But when people get siloed into their channels, they believe whatever gets told over and over. If you repeat a lie enough, it becomes true in people's minds. Ideas have consequences. Bad thinking not only causes sin, as we saw on Wednesday. Bad thinking in itself is a sin. If you remember one thing from this sermon, that might be it. Bad thinking not only causes sin, bad thinking in and of itself is a sin. And it's something we don't think about too often. People said, well, you know, the, the people that stormed the Capitol were just bad apples. And I say, no, no, absolutely not. They were not bad apples. They were certainly extreme, but I would argue they were only following to a logical conclusion what they believed was, was being said. When your president tells you that the election was stolen from him and then think not even our current president, but if, if Obama or Bush or Clinton had said the same, if your president really fights and says the election has been stolen from him and stands by it and does not let down, and says, you know, you have to fight like, you know what, for freedom, and then invites you to the Capitol and then invites you to go march on the Capitol after insisting that you have to fight for your freedom and that uh, it was stolen from him. It's, it's frankly the logical conclusion of what's being said, that people would, would, would likely get violent. Um, because if you were right, which he's not, and again, there's no, there's, it's completely false and baseless, and there's no shred of truth to any of it, and even a lot of the top Republican leaders have said so, uh, but if you were to, if you were right, and if democracy were truly being stolen out from under our feet, and the vote and widespread voter fraud was happening, then breaking into the Capitol would be kind of logical, and it would make sense. So it's Pizzagate all over again, but instead of only psychological harm this time, we're talking about real death and real harm, and people in the hospital, and many of our own politicians fuel this, and just instead of just a bunch of weirdos on Reddit. So why are we talking about this today? I can, I can feel people. As I prepared this message, I was like, oh, man, I wish we had a guest preacher this week because like, <laughs> it's a hard week to preach. Um, but you might be saying, why are we talking about this? Doesn't this sound a little too political? Well, here's why. Because the senators and members of the House that kept up this conspiracy that the vote was stolen were almost exclusively evangelical. Seven of the eight senators that voted to overturn the election. Man, you, if you love this country, if you love the sort of mythos of, of freedom, man, how could you vote to overturn a free election? Anyway, um, seven of the eight senators that voted to overturn the results in Arizona and Pennsylvania 
were evangelical, and the eighth was, was basically an evangelical. He goes to a Methodist church, but in terms of his involvement with other organizations, he, he looks like an evangelical. Uh, and in the House of Representatives, the majority of Republicans voted to overturn those results as well. Most of them evangelical. This beast of a lie was fed and nourished by people who go to churches that believe very similar things about God uh, and the Bible as we do. They were raised in churches like the ones we were raised in, by people, by family, by loved ones that are not all that different than yours and mine. And as I was watching on Wednesday and thinking through this on Thursday, I mean, I barely finished this sermon because I couldn't even get my, my head around what was going on until about Thursday evening. But I've never, I don't know if I've ever felt more ashamed of my own co-religionists. Uh, and not, not like the, the, it's true, not the extremists that went into the Capitol so much, but they were responding to a lie from what are supposed to be very credible, very reasonable people. And these are our elected officials. And most of those elected officials that, that fed this lie call themselves evangelicals. And I, I can't even say that they just, you know, like, quote, call themselves evangelicals. I mean, they actively attend evangelical churches. And what does that say, right? And so I just felt shame watching this whole thing happen. I think a lot of people were feeling emotions about our country and about democracy and all that, but I was feeling incredible shame about what's going on in evangelical churches that, that allowed almost exclusively evangelicals to keep this lie up where Catholics, Jews, Muslims, secular people were not. Um, so what's going on with that? Evangelicals have shown a propensity in the last 50 years to believe in conspiracies. Well, I guess the last 100 years. Uh, end times conspiracies, medical conspiracies, I mean, all matter of nonsense. And we are over and over, this is sociologically proven, we are over and over the most, one of the most gullible and fooled groups in the country. Now, I don't think this is Capital City's issue. So if you hear me saying a lot of like you or us, um, I'm, I'm maybe not thinking about you know, the just shy of a hundred people who at one time have called Capital City home. I'm thinking of, of evangelicalism at large, but I, I don't think this is so much Capital City's issue. It tends to be that evangelical churches that decide to make their life in the city uh, to do urban ministry uh, tend not to, to be susceptible to these errors in the same way. Um, but I am sure that if you survey your friends, maybe some of your families, and certainly some of the people lighting up your Facebook feed, you will know many people who are sympathetic or even spurring on of the conspiracy that sent that mob toward the Capitol. Maybe, or certainly, the election was stolen. And like I said, not many Catholics or Jews or Muslims or secular people were saying this. It's a distinctly evangelical problem. It is an in-house problem. Uh, and so I think before the shepherding, before the encouragement happens, we need to look at this and deal with it. This problem, this distinctly evangelical problem, is called the scandal of the evangelical mind. And we won't have time to get into it, uh, but if you're interested in this, there's a book that came out about 25 years ago that just nailed it. And uh, of course, the world has changed in 25 years, but the root causes, the root problem of the scandal of the evangelical mind are still the same. So the book has aged well. Um, now, I'll just leave that aside because we don't have time. I will say, you've heard me say this many times before. Hopefully this isn't your first time hearing me. Evangelicalism has been very good for society. Hospitals, orphanages, abolition, uh, even animal rights, um, early uh, women's suffrage movements, all of these had their roots in evangelicalism. Uh, almost all of the Ivy League schools started as pastoral training uh, seminaries. 
Um, all of these things owe their existence to evangelicalism. Uh, and there are places to talk about this rich heritage, and I do so way more than I am doing right now with this more prophetic looking in the mirror message. But given what happened on Wednesday, today is not that day. If we celebrate the great inheritance and cultural, you could say, product or produce of evangelicals, we have to be willing to look at the negative as well. The What we saw on Wednesday is cultural rot or it's anti-culture. It's... Um, yeah, we have to be willing to bring it before scripture and examine what's going on. Uh, what happened this week exposes the anti-culture that has grown up in some of our co-religionists, and it's that scandal of anti-intellectualism or anti-thought. And it itself is a sin, not just when it spills over into violence, but the actual bad thinking itself is a sin. And a lot of people don't think about intellectual carelessness as a sin. But it's not just when people are dying. It's not just when racist flags are being flown in the longest standing democracy on earth that it's sin. Did you know that, that, that the U.S. is the longest standing democracy on earth? I knew that we were early. I didn't know we were long, the longest. Ideas have consequences. And this conspiracy of a stolen election against all fact with no evidence was hammered uh, to a fever pitch for fundraising, for power, for a bit more money and for the chance at keeping up uh, a political future in the states where this is really believed. And the inevitable happened. People, people were doing it as theater, and there are a lot of people who get that it's theater. But there were many people who didn't get that it was theater and took it literally. And if you believe that stuff literally, then a march on the Capitol or a, a, a breach of the Capitol is not that strange. And now people are dead. And the world won't see our way of government with the same credibility probably for decades. So bad thinking is a sin. That's the one thing if you take something away, besides the scripture lesson, the scripture reading, if you take away one thing, I want you to remember that bad thinking itself is a sin and that ideas have consequences. Did you guys know that um, the conversion numbers are at an all-time low? Um, they were at an all-time high in 2005 or six in terms of people, uh, people of sound mind coming to faith in Jesus and getting baptized. Those numbers were the highest ever in American history just about 15 years ago. And in the last couple of years, they've been the lowest ever. Uh, now, I don't want to get too far into correlation versus causation, but there's clearly something going on here. So many have been selling the reputation of Jesus for a bit more power. And rather than waiting for Moses to come down the mountain with the words of God, many have built a golden calf for themselves. And I'm tired of watching the church suffer for it. Actual souls are being lost because of the witness of the church. Like I said, when I, when I really kind of came into my own in 2004 or five, I didn't realize it, but that was around the time when conversions were the highest. Uh, and now it's interesting planting a church in, you know, in a very um, progressive city just a couple of years ago, and then watching just how, tarnished the reputation of the church is because of what's been going on in the last five or 10 years in our country. I'm just tired of watching it. So um, much of this, I would say, has happened because the church or some churches have forgotten Jesus's first commandment, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. So what does this mean to love the Lord with all of our mind? 
If you actually look this word up in the biblical dictionary, it's called uh, Bauer, B-Dag, everyone calls it for short. Uh, the, the word mind here is actually, there's no like trickery. It's not like, oh, in the Bible, they thought of it differently. It's, it's what we think of when we think of thinking. It's the faculty of thinking, comprehending, and reasoning, understanding, and intelligence. So again, it's not some sort of spiritual sense of mind, but it actually means logic, reasoning, thinking well, studying well. It's not just tucked into the Bible somewhere. It's actually number one, the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all your thinking and comprehension. So among many other things, this means don't be careless and somehow help others, help your loved ones, not necessarily in your Facebook feed, but help them through real conversation, through texts, through phone calls, whatever. Uh, Help them, encourage them not to be careless either in their thinking. Don't pass along hasty talking head videos and angry conspiracists on social media who confirm your prejudices. That's the dangerous thing is when people will believe almost anything if it confirms their prejudice. If, if they are, if they already hold to a certain ideal and someone is spouting lies, but it makes their ideal look better, they will keep that up. So think carefully. Less social media and more prayer. Less sensationalist news and more Bible. Less of the silo and echo chamber and more Holy Spirit. Uh, I almost hesitate to do this. Like I said, it's a very practical, pragmatic, on-the-ground sermon. I almost never get this pragmatic. Uh, And maybe as a correction, I want to this time. But I want to do a little excursus, a little aside here on news and what it means to um, take in information. So there are news organizations, and there are performance or spectacle organizations selling spin and scandal. And I think everyone knows uh, if you've been alive for long enough, you remember, uh, maybe they're still there, all those tabloids in the grocery store uh, that used to sell a lot better. Now, before the internet, those things were a big deal. The tabloids at the grocery store, right, as you're checking out, and they just say the most outlandish things. And everyone knew that that was, you know, quote unquote, fake news before that was really a, a phrase. Uh, but everyone knew that you couldn't cite that kind of stuff as like legitimate news. But then there's this sort of half breed. So let's say, let's say you have your tabloids out here in the far uh, I guess for your angle, far left and far right, you've got your tabloids out here and then you have like legitimate news organizations here. Then there's this sort of awkward, middle, blurry ground. And I think, you know, the a lot of the, the people who actually breached the Capitol were way out here in like crazy tabloid land, dark corners of the internet. But a lot of the people that kept up that conspiracy or other conspiracies are more in that blurry middle where they're watching semi-legitimate news organizations that often dabble in... Uh, almost tabloid level uh, craziness. Um, so uh, this is uh, this will hit close to home for some, I think. Um, but I just want to say, in terms of a practical, how how can you actually today love God better with your mind? I would say everyone knows not to read tabloids for their news, uh, but I think there are a lot of people who read or who watch rather the blurry middle. And uh, I hate to call names here, but the I'd say Fox News on I guess. I'm doing it from my angle. So Fox News on the right, MSNBC on the left, uh, have often been shown, they've actually shown um, that people who consume no news, and, and when they when they test people on what's going on in the country, people who consume zero news and just sort of hear about it at the water cooler or like run into friends and hear stuff, actually do better on quizzes as to what's actually happening than people who actively watch either Fox or MSNBC regularly. I mean, take that in. It's actually anti-news. It's anti anti-learning, anti-culture, and that it will actually make you know less than people who don't watch the news at all. So I will, I want to pick on those two um, for a bit. I, um, 
again, so weird to flip this around. So Fox and MSNBC are in that blurry middle, and I would encourage other sources, and there are a lot of really good ones. Um, so I just want to mention three, or I guess I, I'm going to be mentioning five. There are three best-selling uh, newspapers in the country. Two of them are center-left, and one is center-right. Uh, so the New York Times is center-left. Now, depending on where you are on the political spectrum, it, everything might seem either right or left to you. Uh, but in terms of sociologically speaking, when you actually look at the issues, New York Times is one of the most respected outlets in the country, and the people who consume that as their main source of news do incredibly well on actual fact-checking quizzes. New York Times is center-left. The Washington Post is uh, like center, center left, still has a slight liberal lean, but it's even more centrist than the New York Times. And the Wall Street Journal, actually the best-selling paper in the United States, is center right. Um, their, one of their taglines is free markets, free people, or something like that. So just to give you a sense, like it's, it's not just me saying they're center right. They're, they're clearly uh, conservative. Um, and so if you, if you're looking, let's say you're like, Hey, you know what? Uh, I've been on Fox news for years and like, I know that it's overblown, but there's really not much else out there. Uh, check out the wall street journal, or if you're on MSNBC or like some of the little bit more out there stuff on the left, maybe move to the New York times. This is just very like, this is almost, this is just me teaching on this. This is almost less of a sermon at this little excursus. Uh, there are a couple more things. If you're not much of a reader, social media, if you don't want to like see it with your eyes, but want to hear it or watch it, um, NPR, I've actually been really impressed with. Um, though I'm sure the actual people that run NPR, you know, I'm prob probably 80 or 90% percent of them still vote left. They do an incredible job at staying centrist on purpose. And they must try really hard because when I turn, turn them on on the radio, it just, it's great. So if you're dropping your kids off, if you're going to your, you know, your, your work, your school, whatever it is, uh, NPR is on the radio. You can just Google it in your area. I think it's 91.1 here. I forget. Um, but NPR is great. Also, BBC is great for a little bit of uh, less American-centric news. So I would love to talk more about uh, how to dive in and study well and research well in the, in the academy and books and all sorts of other stuff. But just because news is at stake here and news is what we're talking about, I want to encourage those. The one, the one thing that's sad is that, um, as far as I'm aware, as great as the Wall Street Journal is for a center-right perspective, and I know a lot of people will be coming out of that background, uh, if, you want, if you like to watch the news... Um, I don't know of any great center-right broadcasts on television. I think the only major uh, news on the right is Fox, as far as I'm aware. Maybe, maybe you guys can let me know if there's something that's great that's center-right. So if you like to watch the news, I guess maybe just watch one of the standard channels and just know that it's going to be coming at you from, from the other side. But the ABC, CBS, NBC, some of those standard news channels do a lot better in terms of actually informing people. But you'll have to know, you know where they're coming from as well. Uh, so again, why am I talking about news sources? It matters, okay? So people would not be shocked at all by this if we were talking about the health of the body and I was saying that eating donuts and candy exclusively is very bad for your health, right? So in the same way, you know, Jesus says this, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it matters what you fill your eyes and ears with. And if it's sensationalism, if it's candy, if it's darkness, then how great will that darkness become in you? All right, so that's the end of my little excursus. I'll get back to our, our sermon and our scripture here. Jesus loves people, and he tells us to do the same. And he loves not only his followers, but those who are still caught up in a life without him, a life of sin. God made us in his image, and he gave us his spark some people have said that the ability to reason is what makes us 
a part of what makes us in the image of God. There are some issues there, but I also admit that it is only humans who can reason and who can practice logic uh, in, the, in any meaningful sense of the word. God gave us these great faculties of mind for his glory so that we might know him rationally, that we might inquire about him and study him. And he told us to be fruitful and multiply, which entails the building of societies and the building even of cities and metro areas. You cannot be fruitful and multiply in the earth if everyone is simply a, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Like a, like a slash and burn agriculturalist or a um, hunter-gatherer. You need society and cities to get more and more people. You just Otherwise, you can't have the density. Um, and he calls us to these things. He calls us to be image bearers and to be ambassadors. He calls us not to traffic in conspiracy theories and ruin the reputation of his bride the church. So I want to encourage us as Capital City, and again, this isn't directed so much at Capital City, uh, but maybe at our wider milieu and the people that we have influence with and among, but I want to encourage us to love the Lord with all of our minds. And this means thinking carefully. It means thinking more. It means thinking charitably about the viewpoints of those you disagree with and not instantly thinking that everyone who disagrees is a Nazi or a fascist or Antifa or whoever it is, it's, it's viewing charitably the viewpoints of those who you disagree with. It means applying yourself mentally to what you do, studying hard and bringing all of your mental faculties to bear. It means not believing immediately the things that you want to hear or the things that conveniently stoke your prejudices. Make culture, build things, build families, build life. You can spend decades building something amazing and a vandal can tear it down in just a few hours. I want to encourage you to be creative rather than destructive. Contribute to society, transform society, not through destruction, but through creation. Contribute to your field, contribute to your job, your neighborhood, your city. We've talked about this, especially when we were first launching, that Capital City is not uh, against culture. We believe in transforming culture. We don't want to put a wall up and hide away from the world. We want to transform the world for the glory of Christ. So be a part of your neighborhood and your city. Love your neighborhood. And just after this first commandment, Jesus gives his second. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he's saying the entire Old Testament, not that you have an excuse just to not to read it, but he's saying all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying that is the summation, that is the message of the Old Testament. Only follow trusted sources. Avoid anyone who makes their living by sensationalism. So a real journalist actually has to go through not only editors, but panels and ethics boards and their stories have to check out. They will still have their bias. Everyone has their bias and it's good just be, to be aware of it, but you have to actually check out. Whereas uh, any YouTube talking head, anyone on social media, they don't make money by being true. They make money by stirring the pot and by causing as much sensation as possible. So avoid anyone who makes their living or rather who makes more money based on their sensationalism uh, or any news source or talking head. Um, good, uh, good news sources are not the good news of Jesus. They help us live as proper image bearers and they help us to honor the reputation of Jesus's bride, but make no mistake here. And I'm not saying this, there is absolutely no salvation in finding a better news source. It's only part of a wise life. Salvation comes from Christ alone and from his 
good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that the king has inaugurated his kingdom. And as shaken as we feel, we know that he has inaugurated his kingdom and that he is in control. Sin and death are defeated once for all by Jesus's life and atoning sacrifice. He is powerful over death and sin, and he rose again from the grave. He says in Revelation that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He's making all things new. So, harder message today, but today I want to encourage you with this, that today is the Lord's day. This church is his church. Your body is his body, and your mind is his. This world is his. He holds it all in the palm of his hand, and he is in control, even when we feel like we're out of control. And we are called to bear the light. We are called to be the city on a hill, shining for all others to see. We are absolutely not called to be the ones with a bushel who are ready to to snuff out that light. We are called instead to be the light on the city or on the on the on the city of the hill. But this last week we saw something else from self-proclaimed evangelicals. So I want to encourage you to love the Lord with all your mind. Let me pray to close us. Father, we pray that you would help us to love you with all of our mind, to study, to think clearly, to not pass along sensational stuff, even if it confirms our prejudice, um, to, to actually do the work and to treat our thinking life as a, also an act of worship. We pray for help in this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for sticking with me. Hard sermon. I didn't want to give it. Some of you maybe didn't want to hear it. Some of you are like, yes, why hasn't someone said this yet? And some of you are like, ooh, I don't know about this guy. Uh, so I encourage you to talk through, digest some of this. You know, maybe you could share some good tips on you know, news that you like. Maybe you could fill me in if you found any you know, news sources on the TV that are center right. Um, but yeah, pray, maybe pray together for leaders in our country and just chat, catch up and digest some of this together. Thank you guys for being with us. This is a project of the Capital City Church in the West 7th community of St. Paul, Minnesota. Find us on Instagram at Capital City Church STP or visit our website for more information at capitalcitystpaul.com. Paul.com.